0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Happy Hour Network. This is the Play by Play podcast hosted by myself, Nick Schlemmer, and Jack McFarland.
1: Hi, guys. How's it going? Today, we have another super fun episode. We have a guest who currently works in financial services as a digital asset execution service analyst. He is also halfway through a double master's in business administration and finance at the University of Utah. And on top of that, he is also a real estate investor, all by the age of 27. So please help us welcome Colin Kanyak. Hey, Jack and Nick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on today, Colin. Uh, Why don't you just give us a little introduction about yourself and uh, we'll go from there.
2: Absolutely. That sounds great. So uh, back when I was in college, I got a bachelor's in neuroscience and a minor in Spanish as you can tell, that's been very useful for what I do today, <laughs> and that's because you know, I used to plan on going to medical school and becoming a neurosurgeon, and life had other plans. I'm a two-time cancer survivor, and that gives me a really unique perspective on life, to live every day to the fullest and you know really take advantage of the opportunities we have. And I found a, a love and passion for finance and investing, and that's what kind of led me to financial services and to be a real estate investor and uh, really passionate about my own investing portfolio.
1: And so that's what I, I really love to do. Yeah, it's great to hear. And to have all of that at the young age of 27, I mean, what are just kind of some ways starting it off that when you're young and in college that you can just start managing money and saving money properly? Absolutely. I think the best time to start is when you're young.
2: And it's so important that you, first of all, kind of know your goals and your mindset. I mean, what do you want to accomplish in your life? There are some people who are happy, you know, living a pretty comfortable life. Maybe they want to be a teacher or maybe they know exactly what career they want to have. And that's great. But for some people, if you're really ambitious, you might want a life of luxury. You might want to be rich at some point in your life. And so it is very important that you do start young and you set goals, because if you don't have a path in mind, you're never going to get anywhere because you have to have that direction in your life. And so I found that for me personally, it was really important to sit down and establish those goals. You know, how much money do I want to have by what age and how am I going to get there? And I think once you have that clear perspective, it's really going to help you to achieve those goals later on in your life. Now, for actually being able to manage your money and, and start to accrue money whenever you are young and in college, I think it's really important that you do have a budget. And that means that you know where your finances are going. I mean, how much are you spending every month and how much is coming in? Because if you're spending more than you're making or that you're saving, ultimately, you're just going to continue to accrue debt. And that's going to be a problem later on. And I think a lot of people when they're in college don't really understand things like credit and things like debt. And it's really easy to max out a credit card or rack up student debt without having any idea why you're doing it or, or what your goals are in life. And so, I mean, credit is extremely important and you should be building good credit. Uh, but what what that really means is, you know, you get a credit card and you're using it like a debit card. You get things like food, you pay gas, but then you're immediately paying that off every month. And if you're not, then you're spending so much money and in interest that you're paying to that credit card. It's gonna cost you so much over the long run. And that is really gonna cause you problems with being able to manage your money and, and start to build that wealth early on. Uh, uh, along with that, it's really important that you start investing young. I I mean, there are studies that have shown just investing at age 20 compared to starting to invest at age 30 could literally mean millions of dollars of difference when you're at retirement age, which is substantial. I mean, I don't whether you want to live in a nice house when you're retired or whether you want to be living with your family, maybe your kids, it's going to play a huge role on how well you plan for retirement and how young you start investing. And so I think that, that really emphasizes that, you know, if you're 20, Right now is the best possible time that you can start investing. Put away, you know, $50,
0: $100 every month, and that's going to make a big difference in the long run. Yeah, that that that's great. And I just had a, a couple of things for you. So I'm curious, when did you start taking seriously the whole, what age did you start really looking into? Okay, I got to save, invest. When did that come
2: to mind? I'd say it was around age twenty-two when I I really caught the investing bug. And that was around the time when, you know, I was still doing my bachelor's in neuroscience, but I was getting close to being finished. But I was starting to realize, you know, I don't really want to go to medical school and be hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. So what the heck am I going to do with my life? And I took a finance class and they talked about all the different careers you could have in finance. And I realized, you know. I want to be a millionaire and being a doctor isn't the only way to do that. You can work in finance, you can go work at a hedge fund or an investment bank. There are so many ways to become a millionaire. And so once once I learned about that, then I learned, well, a lot of rich people invest. They invest their money and so I, what does that mean? I've heard of the stock market. I I've put a little bit of money into the S&P 500 when I was younger. But I feel like the S&P 500 isn't really going to make me rich, at least not for, you know, 30 years. It's going to take a long time for my money to to really build up in the S&P 500. And so at age 22, I really took it upon myself to, you know, start reading finance books, watch videos on YouTube and and podcasts where people can educate you and, and share their experience. And that really showed me how many different things there are to invest in. I mean, you can learn about companies you like. Maybe you like Tesla and you enjoy their cars. So you want to put some money in Tesla stock. Maybe you enjoy cryptocurrency, which is something that really caught my attention. And crypto is something that... Uh, is very new and up and coming technology. And, and it certainly can be very risky because it's very volatile. I mean, your money can go up or down very quickly, day to day, and, and it moves very quickly. But at the same time, I found that really exciting because I could invest in that. And within a week, I could I could make some money. And so it's really, really interesting to, to start investing like that. But I think the most important thing is that you do your due diligence You do your research and know what you're putting your money into. And maybe the most important thing that I always tell myself when I invest is I never invest more than I can afford to lose. So I'm not putting money that I need to to pay my mortgage or my my car bills. I'm not putting that money down on investing. I'm investing that excess that I've saved on top, and that's what I'm investing with. And then if something goes to zero, then I'm going to learn a lesson from that investment and I'm going to try again. But never
1: invest more than you can afford to lose because that's when you really put yourself in a bad situation. Yeah, so I mean, those are all those are all great tips there. But I have a question. Um, Let's say you are 20, 21, 22, and, and you do want to invest, but you just don't have the money to how would you suggest maybe building up a little bit of extra money or just starting small with investments when you really don't have the disposable income? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And for me personally,
2: when I was in college, I didn't have much money. And I was working a couple of part-time jobs just to pay tuition and, and to pay rent every month. But just like you said, I was trying to figure out where am I even going to get money to, to invest on top of everything I'm already trying to pay for. And so what I personally did was I looked for side hustles and other ways to make money, aside from you know working a part-time job or a full-time job. And so one thing that I did uh, is I worked as a freelancer. And so I I know I mentioned I did a minor in Spanish. I'm fluent in Spanish. And so one thing I did was I joined a freelance company and I started transcribing videos. And these were videos from famous YouTubers, from all kinds of things like that, shows on TV. And I would transcribe the videos from English to Spanish subtitles. And that would pay great. I mean, it really, really depended on how fast I could transcribe to Spanish but generally, would pay 40 to $50 an hour, and I could kind of take on jobs on the side. So let's say I was done with my homework for the day, didn't have to work at one of my part-time jobs. I could jump on my computer, and I could work on some videos and maybe make an extra 100 bucks in a day. And, and sometimes that would add up to $1,000 a week, which was you know just insane. Just some of that time that maybe I would waste watching TV or playing video games, something that I wouldn't have really used my time wisely for. I could then go and, and make some money. And so I think it really comes down to looking for those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And maybe the biggest thing, uh, maybe the most important thing is that you do things that you enjoy. And so that means that you know if you just try to fill all of your time, you work 100 hours a week, working and doing things that you hate, you're gonna burn out really quickly. And it's not gonna be worth making a few extra bucks on the side if you burn out and you hate everything you're doing. And so it's important you look for side hustles that you can actually enjoy and and maybe are even kind of recreational, yet you still enjoy them. Like transcribing those videos was completely different than, you know, the other jobs I was doing. And so it was almost kind of relaxing. It was almost kind of like a game. And so I was making money, but it was also just something that I, I really enjoyed. And so that's one great thing is looking for those freelance opportunities. And you can join things like Fiverr upwork all kinds of different websites where you can be a freelancer and you can offer services so maybe you really like to write or maybe you like music and you can write music or edit videos for people those are things you can offer your services for and that people will pay you for and that's some extra money you can make on the side while improving yourself maybe getting some experience for your resume really really great ways to just make a a few extra bucks Uh, some other things i did. Uh, just kind of starting slow was, you know, I'd say this is how much money I'm I'm going to start out investing and I'm going to see if I can turn it into more. And so I had a, a small portfolio of starting out. I think I put in 50 bucks and then that became 100 bucks. And I could put a little more in. And the goal was, how do I turn 100 bucks into 200 bucks? And, you know, it's kind of lower risk, low reward, because, I mean, 100 bucks, if I lose it, big deal, I'll make another 100 bucks. But I feel like that really taught me so much about investing. Like what? What are opportunities where I can make more money from that hundred bucks? Maybe two hundred bucks doesn't sound like a huge amount, but hey, later on, whenever I've made more money, what if I turn ten thousand into twenty thousand? Now we're we're starting to talk about serious money, and so I think kind of just having that mindset got me so that every day I was looking at my portfolio, I was looking over the stocks that I owned and the companies, how are they performing? You know, what's what's going on in the news? And that really just got me into that mindset of being an investor and starting to look at the trends and and how stocks move. And and that was super interesting. Some other things you can do, uh, you can invest in real estate, which is something that can be a little more difficult, especially when you're in college. But surprisingly enough, you can do it with very little money down. And so uh, the experience that I had, my wife had just graduated from college and I still had two years left. And we made this goal. We, we sat down kind of like how I talked about goal planning. We said in the next 10 years, we're going to buy a house. And so, you know, we were saying, well, by 2030, we'll have a house. That, that sounds really great. That's plenty of time. I mean, it's, it's getting more and more expensive to buy a house. And surprisingly enough, over that one year, by the end of that first year that we made the goal, we had bought our first property, which I, I know sounds crazy because you have that ten-year horizon. But I think once we had it in our heads, we were like, "Okay, how are we going to make this a reality? How? What are we? What do we need to do so that we can purchase a house and, and be homeowners?" And so, what it really came down to, and something that uh, college students really have a huge benefit for is generally when you buy a house, your mortgage lender is going to look at your last two years of income and take the average of it, which can be really difficult if maybe you're starting out in a you know just an average salary job, maybe making 15 an hour. That's going to be really hard to buy a house. But if you graduate from college and then get your first real job making a decent salary, they kind of ignore those last two years when you've been a student and they say, okay, your average is what you currently are making at your at your new job. And so, because of that, my wife's new salary plus my little part-time gigs and my part-time jobs, we were able to buy our first house. And then the other kind of question with that is, well, how do you get a down payment? Generally, you know, you're spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars on a down payment for a house. Well, I would recommend looking into something called an FHA loan, which is basically that if you're a first-time home buyer, you co- you only have to put down three and a half percent for a down payment rather than five or 10 or 20%, which first of all makes it a lot easier to to purchase your first home. But then on top of that, some lenders will make it so that you can take out a second mortgage rather than pay that three and a half percent. So because my wife and I basically had no money, you know, we're just getting out of college, we were able to take that three and a half percent down, put it into a second mortgage and we paid, I think it was $25 out of pocket to purchase a $309,000 house. So absolutely no money out of our pocket. And then, you know, we've moved on, we've bought another house now and we now rent out that old house. We rent it by the room and it cash flows over $2,000 a month. And so that's $2,000 a month comes into my pocket and I do nothing, <clears throat> just free passive income. So just some yeah. some ideas that really help you make passive income
0: on the side. And they're really incredible and kind of fun. I really enjoy them. No, yeah, definitely. I've been, I've been kind of like doing some research on that as well with the FHA loan. And I've always heard that, um, for like a first time home buyer or you would get like a, a duplex or like a triplex or something like that to where you could, you have to live in it the first, the first year, correct? To yeah. That, that is a great option. option. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that you could rent leave and then rent all three of them out. Absolutely, yeah, that's a great A lot of people refer to
2: it as house hacking if you can find a duplex anything up to four doors, you can live in one of them and rent the rest out and that's an amazing way because then all of your tenants in the other let's say four doors you live in one and you have three people renting the other three they're gonna pay your mortgage and maybe put some cash in your
0: pocket every month. That's an amazing way to start yeah exactly and then and then I had one more thing that that came to mind here um earlier on in the show i'm I'm curious to see what you think about I've seen it on a couple different social media platforms as far as like learning to live off of maybe like 30 to 40% of your income. And then maybe, like you said, investing or just strictly saving the rest of it. I'm just kind of curious, like, what's your thoughts on that with your background? Absolutely. I think it really comes down
2: to, uh, first of all, how much income you have coming in. And then second, yes. what are you comfortable with? I mean, you, when you're in college, when you're young, you should have a social life. It's really hard to say, just don't spend any of your money. Stay at home all the time. I mean, as much as that will benefit you down the long run, it's going to be a really boring and awful life. And so I think it's fair to set some money aside and say, this is how much I can spend on recreation this month. I can go out with friends. Maybe I'll eat something cheaper on the menu. Maybe I'll do cheaper things, but still spend spend time with friends and and have fun. But at the same time, if you have enough income coming in where you can only You know, you can save 70 or 80 percent of your income every month. That'll be incredible in the long run, especially if you're putting a lot of that money into investing. You're just going to see such amazing dividends down the road. And uh, something that I really passionate about is, you know, being financially free and, and not feeling like, you know, I have to work until I'm 65 and have a job. Maybe I work into my 30s and then I have enough money or enough passive income that I don't have to be tied to a nine to five job because that's real freedom to me, being able to say, if I want to go on vacation next month, I can go for as long as I want. That's that's real freedom in my mind. And so the more you can set aside every month, the quicker you're going to be able to reach that financial freedom, basically. And there's even a a FIRE movement where people are really, really excited about reaching that financial freedom really early on in life. And they say, the more you can save, more percentage-wise of your income, the faster you're going to reach that financial freedom. And so if you're able to only spend 30 to 40 percent a month, that's amazing. And and you should do that. But at the same time, make sure that you're not depreciating, you know, your quality of life. Make sure you're still enjoying what you do and you're happy in life, because that that really is important. You
1: have good mental health, too, because all the money in the world won't matter if you're not healthy and you hate your life yeah so that that's that's all and great, but what do you say for the people that you know maybe have got a credit card young and and did it wrong and they they find themselves in debt or they have lots of student debt as many college students find that they're paying it off their whole lives. What do you think for kind of helping come out of the, the the deep hole that you've dug? What's your best way of dealing with debt? Yeah, today's the day to start.
2: I mean, no no credit card is is too big that you can't pay it off and you can't start fresh. And you know what I would say? Maybe your credit is, is rough right now. Reach out and, and start trying to get those bills paid back. And, and something that a lot of people don't realize is you can negotiate with a lot of those bills. You can call that credit card company and say, hey, I really want to get this paid off. I, I know I've got so much in debt. Can you help me? Can you work with me? Maybe you can lower my rate. Maybe you can help me with a payment plan so that I can get this credit card paid off. And there are also other options where you can consolidate your debt potentially. If you're, I mean, if you're paying 25% on your credit card debt, maybe look for an opportunity where you can consolidate all of your debt into one place and maybe pay 10% or less, because that's now 15% less you're paying in interest every month, and that's going to help you more quickly pay off that credit card. But ultimately, you know, just don't get overwhelmed. Don't feel like it's the end and, and give up. Now is the time to just start working towards that. And I know we talked a lot about budgeting and saving your money, but there's no point in kind of putting that money into a savings account if you've got all that debt on the side. So the first place I first thing I would do is take that money, pay off some debt every month. That hundred dollars rather than invest it, start out by you know paying down that debt because as as good as it's gonna be to start investing. You're paying 25 percent interest on credit card debt that's got to be your priority because you're going to lose a lot more money paying interest on that credit card debt so get that paid off and as for student loans you got to find an opportunity to get those paid off quicker and and that means you know not necessarily you paying it off because that's going to take you forever but find a good company where they're going to help you pay that back there are lots of great companies out there where one of their benefits to their employees will help you pay back your student loans. We'll help you pay for school. And I mean, a lot of people don't realize how huge of a benefit that is. If a company will pay $10,000, dollars $30,000 of your student debt just to have you work there for a year or two, add that on top of your salary, because that's a huge benefit that that sometimes you won't even be able to take into account. And once again, you know, just keep paying that down over time, really try to get it paid down and, and really look at those interest rates, because often student student loans aren't going to be quite as high as credit card debt but really try to look for those ways to avoid that debt and just decrease it. Every opportunity you have, you know,
0: put any excess money you have towards that debt and get it paid down fast. Yeah, no, that's really great. I, I did not know that certain companies would actually do that for, for students, whether like they have to work there for X number of years or whoever it may be, but that's, that's pretty cool. I did not know that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great benefit. Always ask your company. And sometimes, you know, they won't say it initially in the benefits, but when you're negotiating, which, of course, you should always negotiate when you have a new job at a company, negotiate and say, hey, I've got this student debt. Will you help me pay it down? Will you put 10000 towards it? And oftentimes you can negotiate for that
1: in salary discussion, too. Yeah. So kind of going off of negotiating for a new job, obviously you went into college thinking you wanted to go to medical school and then it took a complete left turn out of nowhere. Now you work in finance. What do you say for people that maybe are undeclared and are not sure about what they want to do? What are your tips on finding the right job? Absolutely. So the first thing
2: is really that you need to do a thorough self-assessment. And this is huge because there are so many people, which is shocking, You know, they jump right into college and they don't even think, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? What do I want to spend 40 or more hours a week doing? And then before you know it, you know, they're already working a job and they absolutely hate it. And they feel stuck because like we talked about, maybe they've got $50,000 of student debt and they hate what they do and they hate their degree. And so the first thing you need to do is sit down, go somewhere quiet, take a vacation and have some alone time and really get to know yourself. You know, what do you enjoy doing? What are you good at? What are things that just come naturally to you? We all have those things and we're all very different, but you should take that time and really get to know yourself because if you don't even know what you want in life, you're really not gonna be able to choose a major in college or a career later on. And it's really, really ideal if you can get that picture in your head right right up front. And so once you've kind of done that self-assessment, you know, dig deeper into what your passions are, what are your skills? And I think one of the most beneficial ways to do that is reach out to your family and friends and, you know, just have a conversation with them. Say, what am I good at? What have you seen that just re- really comes naturally to me? Or you've said, hey, I wish I could do that as, as well as Jack or I wish I could do that as, as well as Nick. He's so good at talking to people. And those are really where your strengths lie and what you enjoy doing more more or less. And on top of that, you know, what. What are things that you could see yourself doing every day and and not get bored of or not get tired of? And I think so many people just kind of skip past that and they focus more on, well, I want to make this much money or I I want to do this with my life. And they completely forget that, well, you know, if I I want to be a lawyer, I have to go through this many years of school and then I have to deal with a lot of crappy things that maybe aren't as fun as I thought they were going to be. And so you really need to take that time to do your research and say, okay, well, I've established that i like this and i like that so i'm going to be an engineer now what goes into being an engineer though you, you think you might like it but you really need to dig deeper and do some research what types of engineers are there how many hours a week do they work what are the big companies and where are you going to have to live i have a an uncle who's an engineer and his company is in california and you know she's wanted to move closer to family but his job is in California and they haven't been able to move because that's the company he works for. And so you need to be aware, you know, are you going to be kind of pigeonholed into one area where you're going to have to live if you go into that career and want to work for a specific company? Those are very real things to consider. And would you like living there? And so once you've kind of done that research, go even deeper and do some networking. And so what I personally do is, you know, I'll jump on, on LinkedIn. Maybe I'm interested in working at a hedge fund. So I'm going to type in, hedge fund, whatever role that I I think I'm interested in. And then I'm going to look for alumni. You know, I've gone to Brigham Young University and, and now I'm at University of Utah. Is there someone from either of those universities that's now working at a hedge fund? And can I add them on LinkedIn, message them and say, hey, do you have 10 or 15 minutes? We could jump on Zoom sometime and I could just pick your brain. I'm really interested in what you do. I think it sounds really cool. And I'd love to know if, you know, that's something that I could see myself doing down the road. And nine times out of 10, if you're really kind and really show interest and you're an alumni of the the same college that that person's gone to, they're going to be interested in, you know, maybe giving you a couple minutes of their time and and talking about what they do. That's going to be huge for you getting to know, okay, this is what the day-to-day looks like of a job like that. And realistically, does this person like their job? Because if you're talking to someone that absolutely hates their job, that may be a red flag that you're going to hate it too. And so it's so great to talk to those people who are in the industry who are really doing it. And, you know, those are going to give you a good perspective of what you're doing. And so if you're not sure what you should be doing right now, start doing your research, get to know yourself and then start networking and, you know, do an internship, do something where you can get that real life experience. And you're going to realize so quickly if you actually enjoy what you're you're studying in college and, and what you want to do down the road.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, just touching back on that networking point that you made that I'm still currently in the PGM program and we have kind of like that same connection with with people to where all of the past alums we still have all of their phone numbers and whatnot to reach out to and to ask those questions like what did you think of this what did you not like like what do you think about the state because as we're on these internships we're probably going to be going to different states almost every time and I just really like that point that you made to where the connections and and reaching out is is so important. Absolutely. Yeah, I I highly, highly encourage it.
2: Network. And even for those people who are a little more timid, a little more introverted, push yourself out of your shell because networking is one of the most important things you'll ever do for your career. And you never know, it might lead to a job down the road. You know, maybe you meet someone and they're going to want to hire you down the road. So network,
0: always network. Yes, everyone. So that's been a great show today. Colin, we just want to say a huge thank you for coming on the show. Me and Jack have greatly appreciated taking the time. Yes. Thank you so much, Colin.
1: Yeah.
2: Thank it, you so much
1: both for having me. And if you guys liked what you hear and want to hear more from Colin, you can find him on YouTube at Colin Kenya. He is a new channel and he's got two videos at the moment, but those are must listens to. And we will put the link in uh, the podcast <clears throat> description for that. If you guys want to check him out some more. So, you know, thank you. Once again, Colin, it was a great interview and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. And wait,
0: there's one more part, Jack. I don't know if you almost oh, forgot, but oh. we have the quote of the show. The favorite, the favorite, favorite part. And to go along with everything we talked today, I think this quote goes perfectly. Um, It's from Matthew McConaughey. It was from a recent (laughs) podcast that I was listening to. And Colin already kind of mentioned it. He said, so this is kind of his own words, said, when you're asleep, ladies and gentlemen, you need your dreams. But he said, I'm also here to tell you that when you're wide awake, you also need your dreams and you must have your goals. And I just think that went perfectly with what we were talking about today. So I had to throw that amazing quote. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for joining us
1: for another episode of the play by play. We really do appreciate your listens and would love to hear your feedback.
0: Have a great day. Thank you very much, guys. And bye for now.